Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey, and I am here with my main man, producer extraordinaire from the APB Film Collective, John Yost. John, what's going on, bro? Not much, man. I'm excited to talk about this movie that I just saw. That's very oh, yeah? exciting. What is that movie? What are we talking about, bro? We're talking about Dune, bro. We are talking about Dune. So Dune came out a couple weeks ago now, and it is out in theaters and on HBO+. Plus. Or sorry, not HBO Plus, Max. HBO Max. I know, yeah, you can't just put the word plus after everything. Like <laughs> Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, but some oh. shit's Max. HBO Max and in theaters. John, how'd you see this film? Did you see it at home or in theaters? I saw it on HBO Max. I'm still not going to theaters as of now. I mean, this is definitely one for the IMAX. Like I like to go to the IMAX. Like I'm gonna go to like sit in a dark room with a lot of people. I wanna see it big. So I I I, I dig it. I watched it in theaters on IMAX, and then I went and rewatched bits and pieces at home, things that I wanted to kind of remember. Uh, so I really liked that mm. bit and having it available in that way. That was that was nice. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about Dune, and we are going to talk about the movies of the filmmaker of Dune, Denis Villeneuve. And we're going to go through his six English language films. Um, we're not going to include some of the earlier work just because... We're not as familiar. John, yeah. what are you drinking over there? Oh, I've got a mixture of truly uh, Pinot Noir and a red, ruby red grapefruit seltzer. I figured that would be a good mixture in my stomach. Yeah, that sounds like a hangover waiting to happen. I'm a professional, so I'm <laughs> hungover. Uh, I am drinking a Give a Mouse a Chocolate Chip Cookie Stout from Magnify Ooh. Brewing Company. Ooh. John, do you know what the tie-in here is? I don't, but that's well. Oh, the mouse, the little mouse that he sees. There is oh, uh, yeah, one yeah. particularly memorable, but honestly rather inexplicable appearance by a very cute mouse-like creature in this film, and so that was what I chose for yeah. my beer for this movie. <laughs> yeah, dude, I remember that scene. I'm like, this is why I like his movies. It's like <laughs> no other person can take like a multi-million-dollar, you know decade century long franchise has gone through several directors and he's like i'm gonna put a mouse in this fucker that's what's going <laughs> just for like you know he's, he's gonna see it several times he's gonna be like this is why things can exist on this planet and i was like all right cool cool all right. cool cool cool, cool. mouse <laughs> anyway that is what we are going to be drinking and we're gonna get into this episode an expensive beer or is it just a delicious beer we haven't tried it yet uh, no i had a couple cans the other night it's uh tasty these days it's like truly for some reason i don't know they certainly <laughs> go down easy they do really do and you know they're inexpensive and that's very white true. cloth i'm feeling frisky maybe <laughs> all right so let's get into this movie we're going to be talking about dune and you know yost where i want to start is just what were your overall thoughts of this movie? Were you looking forward to it going in? I mean, it's been a long time kicking around and did it live up to kind of the expectations for you? I mean, yeah, I, um, I like the Lynch version just because it's fucking bananas. Like I just I mean, fucking stings in it. Accurate. And it's just like, and it's just, it's, 
I would say poorly acted. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think it's well acted, but I don't care. It's enjoyable. Um, I've always been interest, interested in the history of like, I mean, you know, like the movie starts in the year 10,000 and just that whole kind of like uh, he built an entire, not Lynch, but, you know, the, the source material built this entire like history of God emperors and, and you, you know, crossed universe type things. And so huge fan of just all of that. I'm just a big fan of that science fiction aspect and also a huge fan. I wanted to see or I saw the documentary about Jodorowsky's Dune which never got made was going to have like, you know, um, David Bowie and uh, I guess Orson Welles at one point was going to be the Baron and they were going to pay him to pay him to do it by like, you know, shipping a French restaurant essentially to the desert and all this kind of crazy ass shit. Um, And just like, that was like the, I thought a really comprehensive like pre-production of a film. And so I kind of saw a little bit of that. I don't know if you've, if you've seen that documentary, I wouldn't say all of it obviously is in there, but, what has this got to be like three decades now of different dunes and different versions of it and different thoughts of how it could come together. And I think, I think he brought it together nicely. I thought he did a very good job of that. Yeah. I mean, this has always been kind of a notoriously difficult novel to adapt because it is so massive in scope in terms of the world building. So how do you kind of distill that down into a two and a half hour movie and like ultimately that's the issue with Lynch's film right it just doesn't really make sense there's a lot of enjoyable parts because it's just absurd and off the rails right but I, I don't think anyone could say like it's a good movie David Lynch has said it's not a good movie no, um, no, no I, I understand I think everyone always took the source material and was like there's no way to do this so let's be gonzo about it let's go a little crazy with it and, you know, I think um, this version brings it down to the characters. It just was like, as soon as you came in, they're like, yep, yeah, this is the world we exist in. He just built the world and then just allowed people to exist in it as, a, as opposed to like, well, look at that over there. Look at that over there. And you just, it just happened. Like spice mining, they didn't go into the whole fucking thing. It was just like, it's this thing. And, you know, they're terrorizing the, the, the population of this planet to do so. And it just it was quick and easy. There were a few moments of exposition to a too much, maybe. For sure. And I, I, I agree. I think that this film did a good job of just like treating the audience as intelligent people. Like yes. they'll be able to follow along. Yeah. We're going to drop you into this world and it's going to be a bit confusing, but like stay with it and you'll get it. Because honestly, at the end of the day, it's a pretty basic, straightforward story that we've yeah. seen hundreds of times in film and really in anything. I mean, it's mm-hmm. essentially the story of Jesus in a lot of ways, just in a different universe yeah there's matrix in here there's star wars in here and exactly. then that's all jesus stories or you know the one they the kept one, doing the, the one uh, and it was like oh my god that was the only <laughs> thing that was a little tiring about the whole thing it was like oh the one you're like how do these people know come on now but <laughs> no yeah. and i mean that's kind of the way i've been thinking about this film almost i've been thinking about it in two different minds i've been thinking about it as on the one hand a filmmaking achievement and what Denis Villeneuve was able to build here in terms of the scope, in terms of the epicness of this film, because it honestly does feel epic to me. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I was thinking about just the story and whether the story really worked for me. You know, I am obviously I'm familiar with Frank Herbert's novel. I've read it, but a very long time ago, I'm not a person that it meant a super lot to. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest book ever. I was like, yeah, this is a great science fiction novel. Um, mm-hmm. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so, you know, the story to me was kind of separate from what Denis Villeneuve was 
able to bring to life. So, you know, what I want to focus on to start with is just this is a filmmaking achievement. What stood out to you in terms of the way Denis Villeneuve was able to kind of bring his vision to the screen in this film? I mean, I think he chose the best moments to show wide shots, the scope of the film. And he chose the best moments to keep the camera very close. They actually picked really scenic and large scale locations. I, it could be very wrong, but the melding of those two and melding of, of the actual gravity and the size of what they were doing versus kind of like the moments together. I just thought was, it was great. It, it didn't, again, it didn't like point like it wasn't a two and a half hour long movie about um, interracial treaties and trade it was to a degree but it wasn't too heavy on that and then it wasn't also too heavy and just like look at how much cgi can smash into a frame and then it wasn't two and a half hours of yeah but here's a drama period piece to a degree it felt like it was shot on the planets they shot it on i don't know if that makes any sense i don't know there was a degree to that it was a calmness of it it wasn't frantic to try to be one thing or another just kind of yeah i agree with you i think that it's a patient film almost the way that it you were talking about the 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 choices to go wide in certain places and allowing that to build the world and to get you familiar with where you are and what these environments are like and it's very very beautiful to look at in those moments but then there's also these more intimate moments where the camera does good things with that in terms of the characters in terms of you know there's one scene with the pain box that i thought was very effective in terms of going very close on the actors faces and showing what was kind of going on mm-hmm. so i think you know from a filmmaking perspective i thought this was nearly a perfect film i think it looked hmm. incredible i thought the music was absolutely brilliant i thought the action sequences were very very propulsive mm-hmm. so from a filmmaking perspective i thought this movie was absolutely outstanding thinking like the i mean perfect example is the the introduction of the first sandworm you don't see like a star wars like you know like like there's a sandworm like i mean the shot is like in the foreground is an out of focus the two people on the plank out of focus and the sandworm is devouring something below and so you get the scope because you get the idea of how big this thing is and if it's this big then if you look beyond it, it's even bigger, but there's no, like some other filmmakers might've treated that as like the moment to really reveal. And you reveal the scope and the size of it by not revealing the scope and the size of it. So I think that, I think that that is like kind of the whole, the way they treated the whole thing, like it's huge, but it's not, I mean, it's still a human story. There were moments it felt like it was just documenting on its other planet, which was kind of neat or just, shooting like a Hollywood film on another planet. When I was watching this, I was trying to figure out where did they shoot this thing? Because every time it did feel like you were being transported to a different planet. And I was reading about it and it's like, it's in Jordan and UAE, but like Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like a desert on earth when you're watching it. There's something, there's something very different to it. And, you know, obviously they're filming it, but the way that they're able to kind of convey that, and transport you and make you feel like you're in some other place is a remarkable achievement in my mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, the rest of his films. I mean, Arrival did that. Um, Sicario even did that to a degree, not another planet, but I mean, it's just, I'm trying to think the best way to say this, how he treats the subject material. Again, he could be making Dune and it seems to be treated as if he were making a drama shot in, you know, in one of our deserts here or you know it, it, it's 
it's not the focus. It's like, okay, yeah, but yeah, there's, there's an international trading thing, but we have international trading things here. You know, interstellar trading is different, obviously. As you know, I'm an interstellar trader, so I don't. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's, so it's, it's not that different. And that's, I think that's why it goes back to the source material. That's why I always kind of dig it is that these timelines, like the thousand year war and this other thing, like you start to realize like, oh, he's, uh, Herbert was just translating what we do here as humans to, all right, so what happens if we have hundreds of worlds instead of hundreds of countries? And I, so I, don't, I think it was just, I just, you know, I think it's a very human story. So I think he shot in a very human way, which he tends to do. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's why from a filmmaking perspective, I really did love this film. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was a big fan. You're right. Music, everything like it just paced well. I've heard people being like, it's too slow. I think it was like, I really liked the pace of it. I thought it it was, you know, there were moments where you were revealing stuff and there were moments that you had to have action. There was moments that, I don't know, I just never, there was never like, oh, that's too long or that doesn't belong there. I don't know. I just was never bored, but I was never overstimulated everything in, like, in a film like this i feel like it would be very easy to be overstimulated but you're not right. and i think that that's the idea of kind of restraint and patience that i was talking about and how it is epic but it's not just epic right there's also relationships forming and i think one of the best ones is the one between paul and his mother and they spend a solid you know kind of 35 minutes where it almost turns into kind of a little bit of a buddy cop movie in the desert in the space <laughs> desert. And like, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed their, their relationship and the way they they actually built it in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny though. The Zendaya didn't really show up until like, Oh wait, spoilers. I'm saying. No, sorry. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've seen, hopefully you see the movie. Yeah. Like she doesn't show up to like 10 minutes before the film ends. You're like, yeah. Oh, I mean, she's there as like, a, uh, which is hilarious to me. So like knowing, just knowing that, tr- you know, you'd hear, anyone can read like oh they've decided to do part two and it was always meant to be maybe three parts and all this kind of stuff because it's a huge piece of material to put into a film i just kind of had a laugh in the credits i was like what happens if this didn't do well like i mean it just ends them kind of walking into the (laughs) desert i mean there's an ending to a degree you're like oh like well i hope they do well like but like you just met the main actress who's like one of the main characters of the entire you know, and you're like eh, we're done here you're like oh shit i mean obviously they were thinking they were banking on like this is not going to go bad uh but it just it, i just had a chuckle i was like fuck dude good thing it went well nah, um, I mean, that that that's the other part that i want to talk about is the story here because you know we talked about the filmmaking achievement but then there's the story and on the one hand it's a story we've all seen before on the other hand it's an incomplete story because it leaves on not finished very Mm -hmm. much, not finished. He is just now at the end of this film, realizing that like, okay, maybe he is this guy that everyone says he is. Right. But we don't know. Mm -hmm. This is like the end of, you know, a new hope or the end of empire strikes back. Like imagine if it just ended (laughs) at the end of empire strikes back after Luke, loses his arm and it's revealed that Darth Vader is his father. Like what? I'd be okay with that. I'd be all right with that. (laughs) No, but I mean, like if it did just end like this, because it was uncertain at first, Mm -hmm. um, whether it was going to be made, like that's a very incomplete story. So if you're going to grade it, you kind of have to give it an incomplete. So I want to talk about the story for a moment because that I don't find as strong. Um, So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would have been okay if it ended there because, you know, I would have been like, oh, he's going to go out and 
I mean, obviously we know more from the stories and all that, but I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's a little bit of the point to Dune is that like, for some reason, this particular story was the one written, but the encyclopedia tells all these different amazing stories that no one's ever written about that. I mean, I think they're setting this fucker up for fucking French, like TV show and all. And you know what? I'm on board. I really like the universe that it lives in, but it's a simple story. It's not as what the story is about. It's how the characters deal with it. And I think that's what's smart than making it a character piece. So it's about these particular characters. I mean, everyone's, you know, there's all these elements to it that already exist in all the stuff we've seen before and talk about. And the reason it is that way, because we live in those, you know, we're human and that's how we experience it. But we don't, I'm not human in the year 10,000. And so that's what's interesting. So, I mean, yeah, is it the most uh, unique at a human level, it's not, but as a, a you know, the place it's set and with the people it's set in and the situations they're in, it's very interesting and unique to me. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're right. It, it is, it's a very simple story that has been told before. It's been told, told again, but it's, uh, it's told well, I think. No, I mean, I think that for me, I can't ignore the fact that these other films like Star Wars and The Matrix were directly taking from Dune, the original source novel, not the film. Hmm. So in that sense of telling a sci-fi story about a messiah who might be a one, the one in a different universe, yes, Star Wars and Matrix are directly kind of lifting that idea from but they that didn't lift original it from source this. novel. You think so? Uh, but, but the original source novel from Dune. You think it's so? It's the same story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all the same stories. I mean, like you say, it's recent, you know, uh, lifted from, you know, the Bible, for fuck's sake. I mean, I think that this idea of universe building and telling this idea of a messiah within that universe is taken directly from Dune. And I think that any sci-fi head is going to be a huge fan of Dune and influenced by it, whether they're going to say that or not. Sure. But also, sure. I came into Star Wars as a very small child. I saw Matrix when I was 12 years old. These are things that I consumed first, and maybe that's coloring my opinion of it, hmm. but I thought that those films just did this better. This idea of the Messiah. I cared about Luke Skywalker more. I cared about Neo more. I cared about Paul a little bit. He did the mopey <laughs> teenager thing, and I was like, eh, okay. Oh, but I, I, had to, I had to tell you, Timothy Chalamet has a, a really punchable little face, and... <laughs> I'm not a huge fan, but uh, I generally I was okay. am, but I'm not in this film. Like, I, Oh, that's weird. I, I didn't, didn't love him. He, oh, I did. oh, all right. I love him in Call Me By Your Name. I love him in Little Women. I loved him in a lot of films, but in this, I was just like, you were doing the annoying teenager thing, and I get that that's kind of the point, but like, also, I just don't care. The most memorable um, characters to me were Momoa's character, mm -hmm. Rebecca Ferguson's character as the mother. Mm -hmm. I loved... Oscar Isaac's character, mm -hmm. you know, Timothy Chalamet, the supposed the one, like, I could give a shit about this guy, dude. Like, I really don't care about his story all that much. Given, I don't think you're given the film that I'm I, I'm presented. I towards the end I do. I'm like I'm like he's he's done it, and he's gotten out of his he's gotten out of his own way to a degree. He's, he's stepped into the role towards yeah. the end. Yeah, I don't know if I was totally convinced by his journey to get there. I felt like. Mm. The ending fight scene, again, spoilers, but the ending fight scene fell a little flat. Like, okay, fine. Like, he tries to get him to submit and just relent and 
force him not to have to kill him and commit murder in this way. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I didn't feel it. But yeah, I, say, I, he, yeah I no, I feel, feel you. It. It's a huge thing for him to kill someone for yeah. this first person. There's that. And it's interesting because he sees this person. To me, it's also, are his visions reliable? Because he sees a person, he sees the person he kills, tell him he's going to help him. And so that's tough for him as well. So I think that that's also interesting because he starts to realize that these visions are unreliable to a degree. I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's funny that we went two different ways because I don't like Timothy Chalamet in anything that I've ever seen him in up until now. And I was like, all right, kind of take it. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I am curious to see how this is going to go part two. I'm interested. I'm in. I'm in. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, so you still liked it, right? I mean, yeah, of course. I'm not saying I disliked <laughs> it, but, like, I don't think this is the greatest film ever. I oh, don't please. think this is the sci-fi epic that's going to save all sci-fi epics like it was kind of made out to be. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good film that I enjoyed, and I am excited to see the next part. I, that's uh, I agree with you. I don't yeah. want to go over the top with this thing and be like, this is the savior of movies. I don't think no. it's that. No, no. It's a lot better than David Lynch's version in terms of coherent storytelling. Um, you might enjoy David Lynch's version if you just want to go for a little <laughs> romp in space. That's fun, man. That's a good time. It's just, what's his name? Kyle. What's his, what's his Kyle actor? Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, it's just the, his voice over the whole time. He's just, oh my it's like God. ASMR. The, like, ex- uh, the exposition fucking voiceover in that movie, I can't, I can't stand it. Get really high in LSD and try it out, man. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Like, is that no, staying in a jumpsuit? You're like, or the, uh, yeah, you're just like, holy shit. And why is Baron floating the whole time? There's just so many things about that movie that I just can't deal. Well, it's those things in his that are built into his body. I mean, that's like, I understand it, yeah. Yeah. but it's so silly. And Lynch is Dune. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. yes. It's so silly that I, I just can't. And this one is, it's menacing as shit. Dude. I don't know. Like, he just cuts that fucking dude's head off. Like, I don't know. The, he Scars was a great guard in the goop. Yeah. The black goop. Oh my God. I could taste it when I was watching. Was really... Horrifying. Yeah. I mean, the Baron's great, but it doesn't quite get there. I mean, they're menacing, but they're, uh, I wish you just got a little bit more into like how kind of terrifying and, and brutal that group of people really is. Honestly, they, had, they had the, you're, oh, go ahead. That, that was one of the things that I actually thought could have been better about this film mm-hmm. is, and I, I know that it wasn't automatically greenlit that this was going to be a trilogy or a franchise, but clearly Villeneuve was banking on it. So if you're going to bank on it, let's spend time getting to know all the different key players, because I didn't feel like I get got to know the Harkonnens all that much. And thus their villainy didn't really strike a chord with me to that degree. So right. I think it would have been really cool if we spent some more time getting to know these different players in the game. Yeah. And with that battle sequence, when the Harkonnens fight on uh, the planet with the spice that I'm forgetting the name, of, but they fight Arrakis. the house of Trades on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great set piece to end this and end it there. And then the mm-hmm. second film is all about Paul's journey. And it really dives into that. Obviously, Paul plays a part in the first one, but it's not the main focus. And then the third one mm. is kind of the resolution. I think that would have been a great kind of three film arc mm-hmm. to this kind of epic story. Because I did 
feel as though there is kind of an emptiness to some of the other players involved in this. I didn't understand as much in the film their motivations and what it was getting at. I just I knew they were evil because he's floating around in black goop and that's a very clear image of evil. Like I get cutting it. people's <laughs> fucking heads off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um you had to know just as, as much as you needed to know about him to understand what uh House of Trades is up against. But after that, then we don't have to have a 10 minute sequence where we watch them be truly cruel. You know, we, we know that they fight, but you know, like you don't have to. So just those little moments where you're in there, you know, in their uh, in the layer and the, the sisterhood comes in to kind of betray, you know, people and you get that moment of quiet with him or surrounded by the people that he trusts to, to be, you, know, you just get these little glimpses. I mean, I could have stayed with yeah, I could have stayed with them for at least one more scene, maybe for now. Um, but definitely want to hear more. Definitely want to see more. And that's ultimately what it is. Like, I think that this is a good film. I'm in. I want to see what they do. But for me, I think other sci-fi epics, such as The Matrix and such as Star Wars, did it better. And I prefer those. Um, well, it's but interesting. I'm interested to see this. Me too. No, absolutely. Um, definitely excited to see more of what they do. I think. It's interesting. I was just sitting here thinking the last universe built in a manner such as this, at least for the screen, was probably the Matrix, right? To a degree? To a degree, I'd say so. I think that you could perhaps bring Pitch Black and the Riddick universe into that. Oh, sure. sure. I know yep, you're yep. a big fan of that. Yep, yep, yep. You know, that was around the same time, 2000, 1999, around then. But like 2001, I, I think, was Pitch Black. Oh, um, like I don't think like I, a, I don't feel the scale of that universe to that degree of like the Dune universe or the Star Wars universe and the Matrix right. universe, but I do, you know, there, well, are, there are smaller at, scale sci-fi tales of that kind of ilk. Pitch Black um, series seems more of an action film wrapped in a sci-fi, you know, blanket or structure. Agreed. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like the Matrix is the last true original sci-fi universe made in the last two decades i would say yeah i'm I'm gonna count the marvel universe which i very much do not very much do not it was based on comic books no no that's neither here nor there no i'm just yeah but yeah but we just i mean we're talking about the epic i'm in for the epic but i'm also in for anyone listening we should make a make your own goddamn shit uh (laughs) build your own goddamn universe (laughs) your own goddamn universe so we're going to transition into the Denis Villeneuve rankings of his films. And How do you say his name again? Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, it's very French-Canadian. Yes, it is. And it's funny because um, we just talked before this podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about him. He's like one of my favorite living directors. Then I realized I didn't know how to say his name, which is terrible. That's just terrible on my part. I mean, just, I'm, just, it's bad I'm bad. Luck. But it's you bad ask luck. questions. <laughs> it's a bad look. And you oh, ask look, questions. not bad luck. <laughs> it's it's a little bit of both, but you know, you ask questions to get more knowledgeable, and that's, that's important. Right. That's what people should really do is just ask questions when they don't know shit. Imagine that. I'm like Charlie Kelly. Is that uh, is that dorm, a pirate living there? <laughs> so, in terms of Denis Villeneuve's filmography, where would you say this kind of falls amongst his films for you? Um, it's in the middle, I think, for me. It's probably like, I mean, we're doing six. I would say this is a solid three, four. 
I think I have it around four or five for me. I know that I'm really high on one of his films that you are not. And we'll talk about that. Cool. Um, so let's indeed talk about that. So Mm -hmm. what is the bottom for you of the Denis Villeneuve films? Again, this bottom is not very far down there. I don't, I don't particularly hate any of his movies at all. Uh, but enemy is not my favorite. Um, it's interesting. I, 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 again, don't, don't fault it for any of that. I know. I think it's your favorite, but it is not my favorite, your favorite. Okay. Um, (laughs) I do like it quite a bit. I like it quite a bit more than you. Right. Again, like when I say it's my least favorite, like I would watch it. For me, I should go by the number of times I've watched it. Like, so my number one, I've, I watch every four months because I really enjoy it. And then this one I've seen twice. So it's still a good movie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't like, like hate it or anything like that. I, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is great in it. It's interesting. I mean, there's a great ending to it. And like, it, there's some good s- spots in it, but it's just not my 100% favorite. So, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I definitely would rank it higher. I think I have it third or fourth for me. Mm. And the reason for that is because I find it to be the most interesting of his films Mm -hmm. in terms of what it's doing visually, the way that it's playing with your mind, the ending that is just batshit, but also makes sense within the context of the story. Right. So I'm fascinated by this movie and other ones I just watch and I'm excited by, Mm -hmm. but this one I'm genuinely fascinated by and think about quite a bit. Mm. Um, with Spider. that said, it's not one that I frequently want to return to because I don't want to visit that darkness um, it's, yeah, it's very a, often. It's, it's a very yeah. dark corner of the mind. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's not something you're excited to revisit often, but I do really admire this film. I think mm-hmm. it's absolutely fascinating. I'd be cool with this living at, like, five, if you're okay with that. Five? Oh, wait, wait, so six is the best? Six is the bottom. Six of them. Oh, we're go. I got you. We're flipping the other way. Yeah, um, we're, we're going reverse order. I, I'd be okay. comfortable living that this is five. I couldn't put it sure. last. Okay. What would you put last? So for me, I have Blade Runner twenty forty nine in last. Good. This was my next. It was the. It was the next. One. All right. I, I'm glad we're on yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I absolutely love the original movie. I really mm. do. I love Ridley Scott's original vision. Whether we've actually seen his original vision is up for much debate. Sure. Um, but I really do love this universe. Mm-hmm. And when I first sat down to Blade Runner 2049, I was so excited about this film. And after 15 minutes, I was still so excited about this film after the Ryan Gosling Dave Bautista fight and that kind of stay barista, weird... by the way, <laughs> in this kind of weird, like greenhouse area. Yeah. And I was still so pumped about this movie. And then I gradually became less and less and less pumped about this movie. It is very long. It is not particularly propulsive, and it is not a film I want to revisit anytime soon. I respect the vision. Mm-hmm. I respect the scale. It looks absolutely incredible. Get mm-hmm. Denis Villeneuve and Deacons to shoot every movie, and I yes. will enjoy looking at it. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely not my favorite, and I have it at the bottom. I could live with it at the bottom mostly because, again, the bottom of his six film catalog of american or american oh my god english speaking jesus christ (laughs) yes uh i mean like on his worst day he's better than pretty much 99 percent of the people making films so like 
I mean, this th- is that, still a B plus film. I'm not saying it's yeah. bad. Like, no, it's no, no. It's still yeah. got so many great things to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the rest of his filmography goes, like this to me isn't as good as the rest. I think it suffered a pacing issue, and I don't know yes. exactly where that could be remedied. But yeah, I, it's just okay. So I mean, there we go. So we're doing it kind of like for me, the number of watches I've watched Enemy twice, and I've watched Blade Runner twice. So okay. in terms of that, yeah, they're kind of at the bottom. I can't do Dune because I've only seen it now. Well, I actually watched about half. I went back and watched parts of it. I'm going to watch it again, so that we can't quite go on that. But yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I'm a purist. Like, oh, oh you know, Blade Runner is my. <laughs> Like I thought it was a I thought it was a great addition to the universe. I thought it was really well shot. I thought it was really well done. It's a pacing issue. It just yeah, you're right. About about halfway through, I was like, why am I bored during a Blade Runner remake? I'm like, I don't know why. That's what I'm like, saying. Like it's just yeah. a slow, not particularly yeah. propulsive movie. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things to love about it, and I do love a lot of things about it. But compared to the rest of his movies, just not not the same level uh, for what, me. What do you think about Jared Leto in it? Meh. I know it's like so. There's a thing. And I'm gonna take a quick aside here. I'm gonna take a quick detour there down Jared Leto Lane, which is so the Morbius thing today, or the teaser trailer. I love this now. They're doing teaser trailers for trailers. It's like fucking Jesus Christ. Just put the trailer up. I like Jared Leto. Like I, I, I do. I liked him in, in some things before, but he just gnaws the scenery sometimes. I mean, that whole Suicide Squad thing where he just like had to be method and and like there were moments in this film where he was fantastic and there's other moments it was just like he was just trying it just feels like he's always trying way too hard way too hard he's trying so hard to be interesting that it becomes uninteresting exactly there's moments where he's like sinister he's you know he just he's sinister without being it and then there's moments he's like i'm trying to be sinister and you're like okay you're trying to i don't know so i think that i actually i wouldn't say he ruined the film for me because i still enjoy watching it but I would say that when he's introduced, I'm a little like, Ugh, all right, cool. Like, he's not a particularly memorable or good part of it. Yeah. And he was doing the same thing in that movie, The Little Things. And I think it was the worst part about that movie. Uh, yeah. Didn't really right? work. It was disappointing. That's kind of where I'm at with him. I'm kind of in the same place with Rami Malek. And we talked about that when we talked about oh, yeah. the new Bond movie. You know, it feels like a lot that he's just kind of doing a Jared Leto thing. Um, and I'm not particularly interested. Yeah. It's funny, so two ha- two gentlemen I've walked by on the street. Oh? Yeah. Uh, well, the first one, I was at South by Southwest. I, I walked by Raymond Malik. He's like, hey, man, nice, good to see you. River Malik, great. Hey, he was very nice. And then uh, about 10 years prior, I, wa- I was in New York City. I was walking the street on the phone. When I was walking, this guy's coming at me, and I'm on the phone out loud. I say as I'm walking by this guy, I'm like, I think I'm walking by Jared Little right now. And he just mouths the word, not out loud. He mouths it, you are. And just winked at me and kept walking. So I was like, oh, solid. So there you go. Two gentlemen who I've walked by on the streets that are just chewing the furniture, chewing the scenery in. Constantly. Awesome. All right. So we have Blade Runner 2049 in sixth. Again, it's still a good film. Don't it's a good head off. Yeah. Uh, Enemy at fifth. Again, yep. a good film. One that I respond to much more than Yost, but, you know, I can live with it at five. That spider semen. Oh, I love it. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, what do you have at four? Or what what should we put at four, do you think? I would put if we're going on this list, I would put prisoners at four or Dune. One of the two. I would say Dune should go here for me. Mm-hmm. 
um, for all the reasons that we talked about. Again, another film that looks absolutely amazing that is built in terms of just epicness. I also think I may come to appreciate this film more once I see kind of right. where this story goes right. and how it kind of sets up the rest of what's to come. Exactly. Yeah. I felt that way a lot about A New Hope uh, with Star Wars. And once I saw kind of what happened in Empire Strikes Back, I, I, I liked a lot more of what was happening in that original film. But didn't you see that? Like, when, How old were you when you saw A New Hope? Seven or eight. Wait, did you, like, your parents, like, give you a few years to watch The Empire Strikes Back? Or did you watch it immediately? Oh, I watched them immediately. Okay, cool. Was and like, I started to form opinions very early on. I, I and those, just, no. those opinions started to solidify more <laughs> once I watched it, like as a as an adult and like could understand things. Just the way you just spoke about it right now, that was hilarious to me a little bit. Like you had like waited like two years, like from seventy seven to seventy nine for the. I had the Star Wars box set and I watched them all in a weekend, pretty much. There you go. Now cool, cool. I'll, I, I'm going to put Dune here. I think I love yeah. Prisoners. I think Prisoners is a great. It's a film. good one. You know that to me is a very clear. I think there's a clear top three for him. Okay. I probably have Enemy at fourth because of what I spoke about in terms of not being mm-hmm. drawn to kind of revisit it often. These top three for me are just kind of in another realm, um, mm-hmm. and I really really love Prisoners. So I think that should maybe go at three if we're kind of being agreeable about this thing a very agreeable and i would say the only reason prisoners belongs of that is the performances oh i love jake gyllenhaal in this film yeah I it's really great that's what i'm saying like i think that the performances in that movie i think looking at this catalog i think this is where he struck gold in terms of a cast and got to i mean it's a good script too i mean it's well yeah. shot i mean like there's nothing really bad about it. like but man that was what a what a cast that that film is it's 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 just it's a solid you know uh in the vein of like gone baby gone or all these other, yeah. these other like and it's just those guys are killing it they commit yeah they, they're in it and i really appreciate that so yeah i mean i i'm definitely i wasn't i wouldn't say that dune didn't have a good cast and good um, act, um acting in it or good uh good work but i would say that prisoners does beat that in terms of its of its uh, performances. Yeah. I think prisoners comparably is kind of more of a small movie um, in terms of its scale, in terms of the story it's telling. And honestly, I don't mind that I Mm. respond to characters a lot more. Mm. I just think in the two top films, if we're kind of talking about those, I think they match the scale with the character work. Mm. I think prisoners in Dune have one, but not the other. Mm. Um, but I respond more to the kind of the characters in the story. So that is why I kind of gravitate towards prisoners more. Mm -hmm. It is a very dark and twisted movie, not one that I want to revisit often, but I'm so drawn in by the characters that I will revisit it often. Mm -hmm. Something like seven in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't leave you feeling good or warm or fuzzy. No, no. Um, But I still want to watch it because the, the performances are so yeah, kind of, they have a gravity to them that they just draw you into it. I mean, it's the inevitability of how disappointing life is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's terrible. just constantly uh, going to fucking kick you in the nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's something, there's something palpable to it. I mean, I could still think of that last scene and it's just fucking intense. I mean, these last three, except for one that I can think of, usually even that one, I end up, I'm usually very emotional at the end of all three of these, these, these top three. Um, and to me, that's a, I mean, I've, you know, I've seen these top three now 
seven times a piece or whatever. And like to be still that emotional, I mean, that's pretty, some yeah. solid work there. So, um, especially cause I know how the sausage is made, you know, like I'm like, I know not what exactly what they went through, but then goes into the making it. And yeah. so, yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go with that. So we, uh, so, well, then we know what the two are left is Sicario or rival. Where are you putting, where do you put yours? I have a rival two and I have Sicario one. Okay. Do you have those flipped? I do, but that's uh, that's okay. Um, I'm curious to hear what your your thoughts are on that. For me, Arrival is a little bit lower, simply because of the ending. Okay. It wraps up a little too neatly for me, and in some senses, I like that because it's different in the Villeneuve villain filmography, mm-hmm. where you are not left in a pit of despair at the end, right? Feeling like there is no hope for humanity. Right. This is a very hopeful ending, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate it doing something different. Mm-hmm. It also feels a little too neat to me. But wait, why, why do you think it's hopeful? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure how to put my finger on exactly. It, it didn't strike me as true to life in the sense that it was very neat, but it's a messy story to get there. The movie ends and they know that time exists all the time because they have that knowledge now from these alien visitors and they both know that they are going to fall in love and have a kid that's going to die of cancer. And yet they still like, let's still do this, which is almost like, I mean, I saw from the two simple facts. One, that's a very human thing to do, even though we know things are going to maybe not end up the way we want to. We still want to have hope that maybe it will change because maybe she's like, maybe time will talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also the other thing in the back of my mind that I saw about is that like, they still did it knowing they're going to do this and we are we are without free will and we are going to repeat the same mistakes and then there is no timeline in which we're not going to do what we're going to do anyway so why so it's almost like not very hopeful it's a very to me it's a very split thing but but it also has an element of kind of the myth of sisyphus like sure in the end we're we're human and we're going to do what we're going to do and even human. in the face of that, we have to do it. And I, I, I respond to that and I yeah. find that to be hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Human good to human for sure. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like it, 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 is it, there's a, there's a hopefulness and there's a sorrowness to, I guess is what I'm saying is like, there's a hopefulness that I can, that I am a person of free will and I can change things. And there's a sorrowness to it that maybe I'm not. And that ending was just like, fuck me. If that's what the reality of it is, which I've always kind of agreed with to a degree that you can't see the fourth dimension in time might exist all at the same time. And if I were to know that, would I then go willingly through that again so I could have the ups and downs that is the reality of human existence? And that's ultimately why I find it hopeful, because they want to go on that journey, even with the knowledge of how it ends, because of how much joy is wrapped up in the journey, even if it is a tragic ending. And like, that's that's life in a fucking nutshell. Like, you know, you're going to die. But like you want to experience for yourself, shit. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, sorry. I mean, just yes, yeah, you're right, yeah. And I'm getting emotional just thinking about Jesus Christ. But no, yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal movie, um, yeah. and I I love it very much. Uh, yes. I respond to Sicario a little bit more because it is a deeply dark and depraved movie, and mm-hmm. perhaps that says a lot about me and what I respond to. Um, but this movie to me has the scale 
and the epicness and also the characters. Mm-hmm. I respond to the Benicio character. I respond to the Josh Brolin character. I respond to the Emily Blunt character. I love Kaluuya in this movie. Mm-hmm. And every action sequence, the score to this movie is bone chilling and rattling. Mm-hmm. But this to me has all the pieces of just an epic action movie. And it yes. is an action movie at its core, mm-hmm. but it's so much more than that. I love it because it's fucking logical. There's not, I would say there's very few moments that seem like movie moments. There's very few actions that characters do that I'm like, why do they do that? The logic is fucking solid. It's flawless. Yeah. it's just, There's it's, only one logical way this movie could have ended. Right. And while it is a deeply dark and disturbing ending, mm-hmm. it is the only way given what we know about the characters in this film. Right. They, that, that's what it is. It's true to those characters. It, like, it's true to the story. It says, here's the story. And it's not, again, it's like a lot of this stuff, it's not a particularly, like, uh, it's pretty simple story. I mean, the, the, the story has been happening for, you know, thousands of years. Now it's just cocaine. It's been other stuff before. It's humans being human in this way. And he just lets, he here's they are, here they are, and all their flaws, and here are they gonna, they're going to react this way. And there's no like, well, I don't know if they would have done that. It's like, nope, they definitely would have done that. And it does not end. I mean, it ends, but it doesn't really. And then, like, I mean, at that point where he's like, he clearly thinks of her as like a daughter. He puts a gun to her head. It's just like, Jesus, of course he is. Like, he's a mercenary. Of course he's not going to have like. He's a monster. Yeah. And he, he might be a righteous monster. I mean, he's kind of on the right side of this, but like, is he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the gray area that it really explores and like dives into. Like, you do agree with him because maybe he's on the right side of this thing, but at the end of the day, he's in this for vengeance. This is a yeah. personal vendetta, and of course, it has to end this way. And you yeah. may not like the way it ends, but like, that's life. It's fucking messy, and that's what I appreciate about this movie. Yeah, I think that it is so true to life while remaining an epic tale you know there's no aliens it's just humans and so stripped of any kind of extra shit yeah and it's not showy like it doesn't like we got to do violence for violence here like it it literally is like well they would shoot that person and this would happen and that would happen there's no like you know you you know what i'm talking about you watch movies all the time like oh you literally spent 10 minutes in that scene trying to get me into this room where you could set up a three-way fight between the characters yeah. with the artifact that they're trying to save from the other thing. And you're like, Oh my fucking Christ. Like literally that was a long walk to get to one piece. Like it takes you out of the movie because you know what it's doing before yeah. it's doing it. And it's like, right. all right, I get it. And this is going to be cool. But like this movie you're in it with the characters for the entire 130 minute runtime. Yeah. And at no point are you taken out of it. Do you feel bored? It is propulsive. It is epic in scale. It looks amazing, even though what is happening is detestable and upsetting. Mm -hmm. It's still beautiful to look at. Um, There's one 20-minute sequence where they first go into Mexico and they're extracting the cartel leader out. From the moment that they leave and go in to them coming out, is the most breathless, like 20 minute sequence yep. of any movie I've seen in the last 15 years. It's that good. The scene where they, they're getting, when they're stuck at the border and they're in line. Yeah. Yes. It's some of the best filmmaking I've seen in my life. I would say. Yeah. 
And then there's another like 15 minute sequence where they're in these tunnels and it's using night vision kind of in a throwback to almost the end of silence of the lambs. And it has a similar effect of just complete suspense and just not being able to look away edge of your seat thrills. And that's why I love this. I know. I love it too. And there's like this, I mean, you never question her commitment or her interest in being a part of this. You know, there's never like the call to action. You're like, come on, you go like, I don't know. There's just so much. Every time she questions it, you get it. But like at the end of the day, you know why she does it. Exactly. You know exactly why she goes along with it because she sees that this can't be solved or resolved through the normal legal means that she's so accustomed to. And you buy into it with her character. Makes me want to like let's let, let's uh, let's wrap this up and go watch. Huh? Seriously, <laughs> I want to go watch the Cario and Arrival. Um, what a double feature! I'm, I don't know. I, do we have a do we have a definitive way that we've settled here? I I honestly don't care. I could have either of these films one and two. I obviously like Sicario more, but Arrival's still an amazing, amazing film. I'm going to yield this the the Arrival mostly because the reason is number one for me is because it strikes a chord with me in terms of the time aspect, um, my own personal life, the child, like I had a lot kind of in that, you know, actually, you know, let's, let's do this then I'll put it to you then what we did with Dune story versus, you know, the craft of making it. If we're looking at the craft of making it, they kind of wash. You think arrivals. Well, yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, the scale and when those ships descend in that landscape, Oh my God! I've never seen anything so beautiful put to film. Yeah. I honestly believe that when they when they come in with the chopper yes. and it's like sitting there, yeah. Uh huh. And then story. Oh, then it's a toss up again. Shit. Man. Oh, what do yeah. you get? You guys do this all the time. What do you? How do you break ties? We usually have a third person to break the tie. Is the <laughs> issue? We only have two of us. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm let me, uh, let me call my wife in here. See what she has to say. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh no, nah, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's just put Arrival at two and Sicario at one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that you but know, what we're, we're are... doing, though, is, you know, we're saying saying logic beats all. So. Yeah. These are two A-plus films, though, yes. like yes. two five out of five. I can't think of many films made in the last five to six years that combine this level of scale technical craft and story all wrapped into one. I have a lot of films that I really love, but they're much Mm -hmm. smaller movies, films like green room. Mm -hmm. I would not put that on the level of these. Like that's another five out of five movie, but for different reasons, this combines all of the things um, that, you know, you love about big tent pole filmmaking and it has all of it. And Denis Villeneuve's kind of a master of that. Well, I'm also, I'm, I'm curious to see. So I'm looking at here what he's got going on. The one, not unfortunate thing, but the t- his two latest are at the bottom of our list, I think mostly because they're not original work. I, I get it. He's done, he's done Blade Runner 2049 is, is, a, is a lovely addition to the, to the universe. So is this new Dune film and hopefully beyond there. I would love to see him go back to kind of, you know, something that is not a franchised uh, property or something that doesn't have an already, I mean, the amount, I'm just thinking the amount of pressure to, to make Dune or to make a Blade Runner sequel. I mean, like 
clearly he's he's dealing with it to you know well to a degree but i would love to see him take on you know one hell of a script by someone else again soon after some of this is done and try something you know to go back to the arrival of the sicarios i mean sicario was written by the guy that did hell or high water right um, yeah taylor sheridan taylor sheridan right who was who, who wrote arrival Looking i'm not right sure now. honestly yeah bring that up but like honestly this goes to eric hessier terrible names dude like i have no i have no face for it like i like i read it i'm like like what the actual fuck oh he wrote bloodshot oh, there you go and bird box he's killing him yeah those are pretty solid but arrival is clearly above those two films but bird box had a very interesting concept i like that Bloodshot less so. Big Vin Diesel <laughs> stand, so I liked it, but like it's What's uh, a piece of the comic? not a great movie. So. Um but no, I mean what you're talking about to me speaks to a larger just kind of trend and to me a problem in film. Like mm-hmm. you look at someone like Ryan Coogler. He did Fruitvale Station, an absolutely oh, yeah. heartbreaking yeah. and brilliant movie. And then yeah. what does he do after? He does Black Panther and Creed. And like I like both those movies. They're both very good, but they're yeah. part of larger universes right. and ideas chloe right. Zhao, she did the rider which is absolutely outstanding i love mm-hmm. nomadland and now she's doing the eternals so it just seems like yeah. these kind of brilliant young filmmakers are just being brought into these franchise folds and that's kind of the route they have to take if they want to make money and be successful and i think that's unfortunate but i think it's just a reality I think it's a reality. I mean, like, I think obviously this is not a time that exists anymore, but I mean, like one of my favorites, Stanley Kubrick, you know, he made the movie Spartacus. Uh, He got brought in after someone got fired and he, you know, um, Douglas brought him in. He did it. And then he's like, okay, cool. I want to do 2001 now. And then he did that. So it's like, and it's funny because all those examples just gave, then those people are still killing it in those franchise arenas. Like, I mean, these are, not shitty Black movies. Panther is the best one of the MCU, and Creed probably is the best one of the, the Rocky. Rocky franchise. Like it's, <laughs> well, I like Creed better than the original. Honestly, I, yeah. Don't tell people from the eighties. <laughs> they still think those movies bro. are good. <laughs> no, I like the original Rocky. I'll go back to it all the time. Not any of the sequels, though. Those are garbage. Yeah, those are, I would like to. I'm with you. I would like to see. I, I think it used to be kind of what's that one for you or like two for you, one for me. I forget the whole yeah, the ratio. I would like to see it continue because I would love to continue to enjoy my popcorn movies like the Iron Man's and the Avengers and the Eternals and the be like, oh, that's great. But can we have him back from Doom to like make something another original film? that is just as interesting as some of his earlier work. You're like, I, I, that's exactly. All I'm saying, so no, and I, I completely agree with you. That's what I want too. I, you know, I don't want to exist in this place of filmmakers who make interesting original stories, then just being brought in to do IP. Right. It's not what I want. Like I want them to then get carte blanche to do whatever they want to do the same way that like, Quentin Tarantino was able to and Paul Thomas Anderson and the filmmakers from the nineties that we grew up Mm -hmm. with and respond to very much. Like that's what I, that's the world I want to live in. I'm just not sure if that's the world we live in now. And I might have to just get used to the fact that Denis Villeneuve is now doing IP for the rest of his career. I hope not, man. I hope not, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's actually that's a huge conversation we should have. It is. it is, and like I think about a filmmaker like Edgar Wright and what he went through with like the Ant Man mm. movie, mm-hmm. and 
it's kind of a two-way street. Like, if you want to bring in these prestigious filmmakers like an Edgar Wright or like a Denis, like, you have to give them some freedom to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And if you're not going to take that chance, then fine. But, like... Then don't bring them in. Exactly. Do something else, yeah. No, I actually, like, yeah, it's... This tapping, I guess, I know what you're saying. This is tapping of, of quote unquote auteur or or uh, uh, newer filmmakers or people that are kind of coming up for these ranks. Like, is that the goal, or is it like, I mean, again, like if someone came to you and you're like, hey, you did a great job with this last film. Do you want to make Ant Man? You're like, I mean, can I do this? And like, absolutely not. You're like, well, I don't want to do it. And they're like, well, tough shit. I mean, like the amount of money that we're spending on this and the amount of the IP is worth. It's worth billion, you know. I think the Marvel IP is worth more than some countries on this on this planet. I believe it, and like, so, so they're like, not going to be willing to take those chances with it. But yeah. then, like, are you then hamstringing a director like Chloe Zhao with the? Eternals? I heard it's not good. I, I heard, heard it's the... not particularly good either, and I'm just like, now I'm upset for her because she is such a brilliant filmmaker. Yes, yeah, yeah. who has clearly the vision. Yep. But if you're not going to let her do it, then what are you doing and why are we here? And it's just like a weird place to be. Um, And that's kind of where I'm at. But this is definitely a larger discussion for another time. (laughs) Uh, We could spend an entire three-hour episode about this alone, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we should at some point. Yeah, we should. And we should rank the the five best and the five worst examples of how how this went well and how this went wrong, maybe. I I love it. I'll come back for that. No problem. So yeah. I got, I got my list already. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So, you know, Yost, you guys got a lot of things going on with APB film. You know, we've been talking with a lot of your people. We had Kristen Noriega on last week to talk about one location, horror movies and her mm-hmm. new film when you're gone. Yeah. What do you, what do you got for us? And that's doing well. I mean, we just got funded, which is good. Um, there's talk about maybe getting um, possibly, um, more money to shoot it still in New York, but maybe in Syracuse or something like that, which is kind of cool. Got to talk about that. And along with that came like, well, if it does well, then what about shooting it here as well and do a feature of it? Um, so it's always good to, for us to be more comfortable talking more about distribution and understanding of larger budgets. These, these things are great, but like at a growing pace that is we are learning and enjoying it for me is more of a goal, I think. And I think that the company itself is, that's our goal is like, obviously we want to do bigger and better projects and have more fun, have more money, do more fun things. But uh, I think it's, you know, growing at the right rate. And I think we are, so it's good. But, uh, and I got some, uh, we'll have our U-log out soon. So our, our annual uh, film U-log special this year is going to be a lot about uh a drug dealing Q on Santa. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> really yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys got, got for us uh, coming up here. Yeah. And you guys have always been great to chat with. So I appreciate yeah, it. We love talking with you guys, fellow film nerds at heart. It's our mm-hmm. favorite. We may not be filmmakers, <laughs> but we are film consumers very much. So we're all, all right, part of so it. So you can follow us at back porch media on Instagram at Porchback media on Twitter you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all those things. Leave reviews, say nice things if you feel like it. And we are going to get out of here. See y'all. Thanks, guys.